You're listening to episode number 29 of Strike the Match. In this episode, my guest is Dr. Travis Kearns, theologian, missiologist, and Salt Lake City City Missionary with the North American Mission Board. Our topic of conversation, Mormonism today. So with that in mind, let's... Welcome to Strike the Match with pastor and missiologist Dr. J.P. Strike the Match is a podcast that addresses matters related to missions, innovation, and leadership. Now here's J.P. Today my guest on Strike the Match is an individual that I respect tremendously. Uh, he not only has a, has a great heart for, for theology, for a high view of God's Word, but, but he has a great heart for missions as well. And at the same time, it doesn't just rest with him emotionally or even intellectually, but, but it, it is something that drives him to, to practice. It drives him to, to work in the field. And uh, specifically for him, that involves uh, work in uh, the uh, least churched area, the least evangelical areas of the United States uh, in the state of, of Utah. And so uh, today on uh, Strike the Match, uh, we have uh, my friend, uh, Dr. Travis Kearns, with us. Travis uh, is um, uh, with the North American Mission Board of the Southern Baptist Convention. He is the Salt Lake Lake City uh, missionary, Salt Lake City City missionary, excuse me. And so uh, today we're going to have a conversation uh, about uh, what is taking place uh, in the area of of his world, but particularly related to Mormonism, to uh, the LDS Church. And so, uh, Travis, I am so thankful for your time today, brother, and so I want to welcome you to Strike the Match. Yeah, thanks, J.D. I'm excited. So uh, I got that right. So you live in Salt Lake? Yep, we're about 30 miles or so southwest of downtown. Yep. Now, uh, for those that are, are listening uh, to us today, uh, you, you're with the North American Mission Board. I also had served with the North American Mission Board for, uh, for several years as well. Uh, but for those that are listening uh, to us today that are not familiar with the North American Mission Board, uh, could you give us just a brief summary uh, of uh, that organization that we refer to as NAM, and, and specifically, uh, what, is, what is a Salt Lake City City Missionary? Yeah, sure thing. So the Southern By the Baptist. way, can you say Salt Lake City City Missionary really fast? That's you a, can do Salt Lake City City Missionary, absolutely. <laughs> you can do it five times fast. That's, that's a tongue twister. That's right. So uh, the, the easy explanation is for the North American Mission Boards, the Southern Baptist Convention has two uh, missions agencies, the International Mission Board mm-hmm. and the North American Mission Board. North American Mission Board, uh, the agency that I serve with, uh, serves to see people reach for Christ and people discipled in both the United States and Canada Everywhere else in the world is serviced by the International Mission Board. So North American Mission Board, again, is just focusing solely on uh, the United States and Canada. And what the uh, what the city missionary does, we have 32 city missionaries uh, across the U.S. and Canada. And what we're tasked with doing is helping to find more church planters for the cities that we live in and to find more partner churches for the cities that we live in. Most of those partner churches, though, coming from outside of the of the city, and for those of us in the West, most of those churches coming from outside the West, so different regions of the United States, and then some from Canada as well. So, it's kind of our responsibility to oversee and set strategy for planting uh, in our respective cities, and to love on the cities and adopt them, and and be the expert for that particular city 
uh, for the Southern Baptist Convention. Travis, what what can you share with us uh, a little bit about uh, the work uh, that's going on in in Utah, and or maybe even particularly in the area that you've been overseeing since you've been there for the past uh, couple of years? Is that right? Yeah, that's right. We've been here a little over two years. Uh, you know, it's the, there's something going on in Utah that's, that's really never happened before. People who have lived here all of their lives, who've been here just for decades, are saying that they're seeing things happen that they've never seen happen before. So just as a quick example, when we came here uh, a couple of years ago, there were less than five church plants um, inside the Send Salt Lake City area. Now there are 19. Mm, wow. um, not from anything I'm doing. I'm not trying to toot my own horn or anything, but what's going on is, is God is moving in the lives of people. Um, we're seeing people come to Christ in huge numbers. Uh, our planters are and seeing, uh, people not only come to Christ, but baptize and then be discipled. And it's not just happening with our church plants. It's happening with our established churches too. So it's been a, it's been a really neat thing to see. Probably the best example I can give you, uh, at least in Southern Baptist life, because that's just the numbers that we work with. Mm-hmm. Um, when we first came here two years ago, the population to church ratio. So the population inside of uh, Sin Salt Lake to the number of Southern Baptist churches was there was one Southern Baptist church for every 44,000 people. Mm. So if you put every person in Sin Salt Lake into one of our SBC churches, there'd be 44,000 in every church. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, two years later, that, that ratio has dropped to one person or one church rather for every 40,942. Mm. So it's gone down a little over 3,000 people per church, which is a great thing for us. We'd love for that to drop significantly more, uh, but hey, we'll take one step in the right direction. is a good step to take. Absolutely. You know, you know, a few years ago, uh, when I was uh, doing some research on on uh, on the states and on counties within the U.S. and and even our major metro areas related to uh, evangelical concentrations, um, and please correct me if I'm wrong because this 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 data is a, is a few years old. Uh, but at the time, Utah as a state was about two percent evangelical, and uh, a place like Provo Orem, the, the metro mm-hmm. Provo Orem area, uh, I labeled as the least evangelical city in the country. It was at half of mm-hmm. 1%, so 0.5% of the population uh, were followers of Christ. Uh, I mean, are those numbers still about the same? Have they changed? No, that's still correct. We, uh, In fact, I just ran demographics for our eight counties that that I'm specifically tasked with with overseeing. I ran those about a month or so ago. Um, of our eight counties, uh, three of them are under 1% evangelical. Mm. Uh, Utah County, which is where Provo is, that's the home of BYU, is 0.49%. Mm. Um, one county just to our north and east is Morgan County. They're at 0.52, and one county to our north, Wasatch County, is 0.63. Mm. So three of our eight counties are under basically under half a percent. Mm. Wow. So the yeah. least reached areas with, within, uh, within the U- United States. Right. Hey, hey man, I, I wanted to ask you some questions uh, today, specifically about uh, about Mormonism, about the, the Latter Day Saints that that I think would be beneficial to to our, our listeners. Um, you know, I mentioned you know kind of in the intro um, that uh, you know you, you not only come at this from from deep theological, missiological convictions, but also practical convictions. Uh, you and I share also a, a common history, not only connected to the North American Mission Board, but uh, I believe you were about 10 years on faculty at uh, Southern Seminary teaching Christian worldview and apologetics. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. Eight and a half years. Eight and a half years, eight and a half years. So uh, your academic background, PhD dissertation, was in the area of uh, Mormon theology. Is that correct? Yeah, that's right. In fact, from 
from the beginning of my undergraduate career in uh, Christian studies and, well, in religion is what it was called when I was doing it. Um, everything that I could do, papers, everything focused on Mormonism. So undergrad, MDiv, and PhD were all focused on Mormonism. I, I would venture to say that uh, there are not that many evangelicals out there that uh, do their PhD dissertations on Mormon <laughs> theology. Yeah. Yeah, inside Southern Baptist life, we only know of three, and I'm one of those three, so there's a very small handful. And I'm assuming that that, that has probably opened up some significant doors with you uh, in connecting with uh, leadership with the uh, uh, LDS Church. It really has. They are absolutely fascinating, uh, fascinated to find a Baptist especially, <laughs> uh, who has done Ph.D. work in Mormonism, who is not the least bit interested in converting to Mormonism. Uh, so we've been able to have uh, very intimate uh, small group meals with a number of their senior leadership. It's been uh, it's been fascinating for me. I've been doing it now about twenty years. I can imagine. I, I would I would venture to guess that you, you probably know more than most uh, LDS members, including probably some of their their higher ups in the church uh, echelons. Yeah. It's kind of funny when we do uh, tours around Temple Square in downtown Salt Lake. The guys that I've gotten to know really well <laughs> who work for the church will often say, "Hey, why don't you just do the tour for us?" <laughs> And they're probably consulting you on their, their church theology, huh? Yeah, they're asking <laughs> hey, let's call up our resident theologian down the street. That's He's right. Southern Baptist. but <laughs> That's right. <laughs> hey, man, well, let me, let me go ahead and ask you this question um, uh, that that I think uh, kind of just would be good to kick us off. Um, you, you know, there, I talk to people all the time that, that obviously they encounter Mormons. Typically, it's the Mormon missionaries that are coming to their door. Uh, but but a lot of times they, they, they don't have— you know, just kind of a, a a basic understanding of what Mormons believe, and and I know for our sake of time, you know, we can't go in, into depth, but 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 can you just kind of summarize you know, what are, what are the basic kind of things about Mormonism that make them stand out above most mainstream Christian denominations, sects, yeah, sure. things that I, mean, I, should, I won't use the word sect there, but anyway, yeah. go ahead. Yeah, it's uh, normally the easiest way to answer this is to look at just four really simple categories. Look at the doctrine of God, the doctrine of Christ, the doctrine of Scripture, and the doctrine of salvation. Uh, explain those very briefly from an LDS perspective, and then Christian listeners will be able to pick out pretty quickly you know, what's going on and how it's different. So the doctrine of God, uh, Mormons believe in a being that they call Elohim. That's his actual proper name. Uh, this is a being of flesh and bones who lives um, somewhere in the heavens, who actually grew up uh, on a planet called Kolob, K-O-L-O-B. That's found in the Pearl of Great Price, which is one of their scriptures. Mm -hmm. uh, he had a mom and a dad, uh, may have had brothers and sisters, we don't know, but was raised as a good Mormon and did all the things he was supposed to do, got married, had children, uh, and then later on, after he died, was able to in, uh, to inherit what a Mormon would call his own sphere of existence, which we would, I think, probably easily call a planet, mm -hmm. uh, and then planned everything from there. So that's the that's the God of Mormonism. Uh, he is not the ultimate being in the cosmos. Uh, there was a God on his planet, and that God also had a God on his planet, and so uh, we go back into infinity. Mm -hmm. um, so it's a being of flesh and bones. Uh, in fact, Brigham Young once held up his hand and said, God's hand is about this big. He's about 6'2 and weighs about 235 pounds, and you could physically shake his hand in the mm -hmm. throne room. Uh, so that's the doctrine of God. The doctrine of Christ is that Christ is the firstborn spirit child of Heavenly Father and Heavenly Mother. Um, the secondborn spirit child of Heavenly Father and Heavenly Mother was a being named Lucifer, so if anyone listening ever hears uh, that Mormons believe that Jesus and the devil are brothers, that's how that works out. Mm. Um, so when this first uh, child was born, uh, 
Heavenly Father and Heavenly Mother named him Jehovah. And uh, Jehovah at that point was not Jesus the Christ. He was just the spirit child, the spirit son Mm -hmm. of Heavenly Father and Heavenly Mother. So to start out with, with Jesus, there is a time in eternity past when Jesus does not exist. Um, We could very easily say um, with an ancient heretic from church history, uh, areas, there was a time when he was not. Mm-hmm. That would that would very easily describe, or correctly rather, describe the Mormon Jesus. So at some point in the past, uh, Elohim, God, said, here is the plan for the universe. We're going to need a Savior who would like to do it. Jesus, or Jehovah rather, stepped forward and said, hey, I'll do it. But then Lucifer stepped forward and said, no, I'd rather be the guy to do it. And um, he said, I've got one-third of the spirit children with me because they had had more spiritual children by that point. Mm-hmm. So uh, Jesus said, no, no, I'll do it. God said, well, uh, I, I think I'd rather have Jehovah do it because he wants to do it my way rather than his own way. And Lucifer said, well, I'll fight you for it. Um, so as the battle ensued, you can imagine what happens. You've got Lucifer and one-third of the spirit children. Then you've got God, Jesus, and two-thirds of the spirit children in a battle. Mm-hmm. Anytime you have a fight and God and Jesus are on your side, you're not going to lose. Uh, especially when your army is outnumbered two to one on God's side to Lucifer's side. So Lucifer and all of his friends, all the spirit children got defeated. God sent them out of heaven and changed them then into the devil and all the demons. So that's uh, demonology then in mm-hmm. uh, in Mormonism. But at that point, God said to Jehovah, okay, you will be the Savior. And at that point, he was then made into who we would call Jesus the Christ. Um, so not only do they believe he was created at some point in the past uh, and did not exist prior to that. They also believed then that he was created at some point in the past and did not exist as the Messiah from the point of his creation up until the battle was over and God named him Messiah. Mm-hmm. So that's who Jesus is. Interestingly, uh, once he's born on the earth, from that point until the ascension, we basically believe the same thing, Mormons and and. Uh, Historically, traditional Christians believe the same thing. Um, so that then moves us to the doctrine of salvation, which is always a fun one. Christians simply would would call Ephesians 2, 8, and 9 their doctrine of salvation. We're saved by grace through faith, not of works, so right. that no one may boast. Uh, when, when you ask a Mormon about grace and works, it really does depend on who you're asking, um, which is probably the most fascinating thing about Mormonism. It's We expect it to be a monolithic, very top-down structured theological system, but it's simply not. Um, I mean, just as an example, if you put 20 Christians into a room and ask a theological question, you get 30 answers. Mm -hmm, Uh, Mormons are the same way. You put 20 Mormons in a room, you're going to get 30 answers, Um, which was mind-blowing to me when I first started getting into Mormonism because I thought it would be 20 Mormons, you get one answer. Mm -hmm, Certainly. Um, But when you ask them about grace and works, most times if you ask a Mormon, are you saved by grace or by works, they'll say yes. They're saved both by grace and by works. Uh, In fact, just two weeks ago, I was on a plane heading to Atlanta and sat beside an elderly LDS couple, and they argued among themselves. Uh, They've been married for 40 years. They argued among themselves how much grace plays into salvation, how much Mm -hmm. works play into salvation. Um, So they're saved by grace in that. When Jesus died on the cross, his atonement on the cross for the sins of humanity simply opened up the door for resurrection in the afterlife. So what Jesus does is he allows, through the atonement, every person to be resurrected 
so it opens the door to the house of the afterlife. Mm-hmm. Where you go in the house from there is up to you. That's where works come in. So you have to keep all the commandments, keep all of your covenants and so forth uh, in order to make it to the celestial level of heaven. They believe in three levels of heaven. The celestial kingdom is where you're exalted and you become like unto God would be their phrase. Kind of traditionally, it's you become a God and get your own planet. Mm -hmm. Uh, But that's their doctrine of salvation. So it's a grace and works uh, kind of thing. When it it comes, yeah, very quickly, the doctrine of scripture, uh, historically, traditional Christians believe in the Bible, uh, just the 66 books found within the pages of the Bible. Um, Mormons believe in the Bible, the Book of Mormon, the Doctrine and Covenants, and the Pearl of Great Price. And they have a fifth kind of unwritten book called Continuing Revelation, where any of their top 15 leaders, when they speak at the General Conference in April or October in Salt Lake, those talks are considered scripture. So they really have five books, uh, or four books, with a fifth that's adding, being added to all the time. And, and that and that Bible being the King James only, is that correct? That's correct, yeah. When you look at the LDS Church, can you give us an idea of what, what, what the size is? I mean, is, and is it growing? Yeah, they, they claim 15.5 million uh, members worldwide. Okay. Uh, of course, the Southern Baptist Convention claims a little over 16 million. Um, we have in Southern Baptist life virtually the same issues that uh, Mormons have in LDS life with numbers. You know, finding mm-hmm. a number of those people will be very difficult on right. a Sunday. Uh, but they claim, like I said, a little over 15, somewhere between 15 and 15 and a half million. Um, and they claim to be growing. However, what's fascinating is even though their membership numbers go up every year, the real way to measure the growth of Mormonism is to is to measure the growth in the number of new wards uh, that are created. A ward in Mormon life is the same thing as a parish in Catholic life. Okay. So, uh, except Mormon wards are done by population of Mormons in a particular area. So a ward is about 500 active Mormons. Okay. So if their membership numbers were to increase by, say, 1,000 from 2015 to 2016, we would expect them two new wards to also have been created mm-hmm. uh, just to do the you know 500 for each ward. Mm-hmm. However, the numbers as they increase membership-wise do not uh, equivocate to the same number of wards being created. So the number of wards being created is much, much lower. In fact, they're growing at less than 1%. Uh, every year, the number of wards are. So we can measure their growth simply through the number of wards being created, and it's just not growing anywhere near as quickly as it was in the late 80s and early 90s when they're growing by 10% hmm. some years. Do, do you know if they're seeing um, supposedly uh, greater growth uh, in other countries as opposed to like the United States? They are, yeah. There's actually more Mormons outside of the United States than there are inside, uh, and the fastest growth corridors for them are Latin America and South America. Okay. Latin America yep. and South America. Yep. Uh, you know, I know that, um, uh, you know, when I was out there uh, with you, uh, uh, you know, I guess it was probably about a year, year and a half ago now, something like yeah, that. Yeah, I think it's about right. I yep. remember one of the things that uh, that uh, you, you had shared with me in, in, in our conversation uh, was that uh, the, the LDS Church, and, and again, I've been using that abbreviation, assuming that listeners know that it stands for Latter-day Saints, but um, the LDS Church, uh, they had been attempting to, for, for, for a long time to try to become recognized really as a part of just mainstream Christianity. I'm assuming that's st- is that still taking place? Is that still going on? 
It is, yeah. It's been going on really since about the mid-80s mm-hmm. uh, when they changed the logo of their church to make the two words Jesus Christ much bigger in font size than the other words uh, in their title. Because their official uh, title is, is what? official title is the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Okay. Uh, they changed the Book of Mormon from a paperback that just said the Book of Mormon on the front with a with a picture of the angel Moroni. That's the gold angel you see on top of their temples. Uh, they changed it to a black leather looking cover that says the Book of Mormon, and then underneath that says another testament of Jesus Christ. Mm. Uh, just little things like that, mm-hmm. um, and they're still doing those sorts of things now. So even here in Utah, we often see when missionaries, when LDS missionaries come home, you'll see on overpasses over the interstate or overpasses over a major road uh, where there's chain link fencing for a pedestrian walkway, you'll see families will go up there with red solo cups, red plastic cups, and they'll spell out in the chain link fence, welcome home Elder Smith Hmm. or welcome home Elder Young or whatever it may be. Uh, but last year, the church asked all of the bishops, which is a leader of a local ward, to please ask all the folks in their ward to stop doing that, stop saying Elder Smith and Elder Young, and just use nicknames mm. to make the state itself look even less Mormon I see. Uh, than it is. So yeah, just little stuff that's still going on. Um, they'll do an emphasis every year on, on different scriptures. Uh, this year, the emphasis is on the New Testament. Uh, so they really are trying everything they can do. And it's fascinating to see it, you know, in the, in the sociology of religion, one Mm -hmm. of the ways that you move from different to normalized is you associate yourself with a group that's already accepted in Mm -hmm. a culture. And that's precisely what they've done. So really trying, obviously from their perspective, really trying to completely get rid of the, 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 you know, traditional, you know, label as a cult, uh, or maybe even a sect to trying to become recognized just as much equal as like Southern Baptists or Methodists or Presbyterians would be, right? That's right. They, they love uh, referring to themselves as just another group of Christians. Um, you know, and it's fascinating, though, when uh, just a few years ago, the, the former president of the church, Gordon Hinckley, was speaking at the General Conference and asked the rhetorical question, do we worship the same Jesus as the evangelicals? And he said, we absolutely do not. Hmm. Uh, so he recognized at a general conference that there is a difference uh, mm-hmm. in, the, in who Jesus is between evangelical Christianity or traditional Christianity and Mormonism. Uh, but they still simply say, look, we call ourselves Christians. Mm-hmm. We go to the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Uh, one of the common sayings that we hear, hear a pretty good bit is, um, you know, I, I go to a church with Jesus in the title, do you? <laughs> and uh, they'll just simply say, that means my church is more Christian than yours. I see. Man, you've got a book that uh, is uh, is forthcoming called The Saints of Zion. Uh, when's that coming out, and what can you tell us about that? Yeah, that'll be uh, publication date right now is the spring of 2018, so okay. we're a few years down the road from it. It'll be a basic introduction to the history of Mormonism, and then an introduction to the theology of Mormonism, and then couple of chapters on just how to talk to Mormon friends and neighbors and co-workers. Uh, the unique thing about the book is I have uh, some friends on the faculty at BYU who have agreed to work through my material with me to make sure that the way I present it is acceptable to them as a Mormon. That's great. And That's good. they've said that they would endorse the book uh, if I follow their, uh, their suggestions. Of course, they'll disagree with my conclusions. Certainly. And yeah. that's, that's, uh, absolutely understandable, but 
theologically, my, my desire is to present something in a way that people who are not in that faith can understand it, and right. at the same time to present it in a way that people in that faith would agree with what I've said. Yeah, absolutely. You want, you want, to, you want to represent them fairly in their that's views. Correct. That, that yep. is, that's really, really important. So the Saints of Zion, Lord willing, you guys that are listening, uh, mark that down, uh, 2018, uh, I believe, is it B&H? They publish yep. it on Robin Holman. Yep, Robin right. Holman on that. Uh, 2018, the Saints of Zion. So, uh, the, you know, just as you broke down the outline, I thought, I was thinking, man, that is that is a great way to get a grasp on understanding uh, about uh, about the Mormons and, and what they believe in, in their church today. But for those of us that can't wait until 2018, could you give us uh, maybe one or two best places to go online for information on um, on Mormonism? Sure. I've, I've always been the type, as I taught world religions and minority religions uh, at the seminary, always told students, and I tell still church people or whoever asks, you know, when they ask, what's the best way to learn about Mormonism or Islam or whatever? Mm -hmm. The best way to do that is to ask a Mormon or to ask a Muslim Mm -hmm. what they believe, because these are not monolithic faiths. So for Mormonism, the best thing to do is go to lds.org, which is their official website, and do a search for two books, uh, and everything on their website is free. You can download all these for free. One of those books is called Gospel Principles, Mm -hmm. and the other is entitled Preach My Gospel. So Gospel Principles is basically their adult Sunday school manual. They go through that about once every four years, and it'll give you a basic theological introduction to Mormonism, and that's published by the church. So that's an official uh, statement of doctrine. And then the book Preach My Gospel is the LDS Missionary Manual. Uh, So if you ever have LDS missionaries come to your home, they memorize the script inside Preach My Gospel, and that work will tell you exactly word for word what they're going to say and what they're going to ask. So you'll be better prepared when they come, and you can tailor your questions to what they're going to say. Do you know any particular resources that are out there for how to share our faith uh, with Mormons? Yeah, the the best one I've seen in a long time is is by a guy named David Rowe, R-O-W-E. He's actually a a Salt Lake resident here, uh, teaches at the University of Utah, and the book is entitled I Love Mormons. Uh, and it's simply basically a cultural introduction to what Mormonism is all about and how to take that culture into account when speaking to them. Travis, how can we find you on uh, online, man? You got a social media presence out there? Yeah, I do. Uh, I'm on Facebook. Uh, Travis Kearns is my uh, my Facebook uh, page. My uh, Twitter handle, uh, also on Twitter, is I'm looking it up right now, is at Travis Kearns, K-E-R-N-S. At T-R-A-V-I-S, K-E-R-N-S. Fantastic. Yep, yep. My guest today on Strike the Match has been Dr. Travis Kearns, uh, one of, I believe, the leading evangelical scholars, uh, experts in the field uh, of Mormonism, uh, not just uh, from an intellectual level, though he's very much there, but also uh, from a missiological level as, and as a practitioner of, of sharing the gospel and seeing churches planted uh, in uh, one of the most least-reached places of North America, that being Utah. Travis, thank you so very much for being with us today on Strike the Match. Absolutely, J.D. Thanks for having me. You have been listening to Strike the Match with J.D. Payne. You can find J.D. on Facebook or follow him on Twitter at J.D. underscore Payne. And if you'd like to check out more books, posts, and podcast episodes, visit jdpain.org. You can also subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, and we'd be honored if you would consider rating us or leaving comments. Thanks again for tuning in. We hope you'll join us next time.